Does he look like a bitch? I'm going nutsack of a chin right off your face. I am serious. I don't call me sure. They're not gonna catch us. We're on a mission from God. Alright, hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Level Up, the only podcast where we will solidly say that there's absolutely no fucking difference between Aquaman and Namor. Yeah? Yeah, that's fair. Zero difference. <laughs> Literally zero difference. How are you doing this week, mate? Yeah, yeah, feeling pretty vibey. We were up till like, what is it, like 3am last night watching Golden Age Cinema. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, feeling pretty uh, weird after that. <laughs> like, like I, I actually watched a black and white film last night. I, fu- I don't like that shit. So, not usually. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'm very so. proud of you. Like you pulled yeah. through for that. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the sacrifices you take for this podcast, man, unbelievable. Mate, yeah, I know. Like I should probably be prime minister, isn't it? <laughs> Well, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would make sense if you're the Prime Minister, you basically just live in a black and white world. <laughs> yeah, true. A hundred years ago. Wow. wow, I wasn't ready for that political hit then. Damn, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah, so have you, got, have you got any questions for me then? Yeah, I do. Me? Yeah, I do have a question. Yeah? Right, How long is too long to wear the same pair of jeans? Wow. It's funny because the time the time really changes depending on what age you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm mate back at uni. I didn't used to wash jeans because I wear black jeans mostly. So only if only if they got like what me and my mum would call Gerber down it. It's like <laughs> shit, you know, like bits and bobs <laughs> yeah. and yogurt and like cereal and that. That is just like Gerber. Spit I feel like with dribble. jeans they kind of get like a layer of grease. Yeah, but also I think like the thing is when you buy like certain pair of jeans, like you know when you buy a good pair of jeans because they stay like taut to your leg no matter how. Many I've never you bought wear a good it. pair of jeans. Yeah, well that's because you buy your jeans from Primark, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, when you wear like, see, when I wear Primark jeans, this is what happens. I put my jeans on. I get I get up in the morning. I'll be like, oh, I'll get them jeans on. All right then. Slip them up my leg, feeling really tight. Feeling really good. I'm like, mmm, mmm. They're looking good, looking good. Three hours later, they're all baggy around the kneecap. Looks like your kneecap's hanging off. You need to go NHS. Mate, they're all like, <laughs> saggy around the arsehole. Even if you've got a belt buckle on, the whole like thing is like sagging down so your anus is like perfectly clear. Rank. Fucking rank. So I'm going to say probably a week is like... I don't know. I feel. I still feel like a week is a bit of a peasant stance. I think I wore. Jeans, I think I wore a pair of jeans for two weeks on the trot. Primark jeans. What those but ones with your but... fucking chain on? <laughs> Mate, uni. Don't even lie, because at uni you didn't take those trousers off for literally like two years. I, remember, I still got them. I remember I used so to what, wake the ones you up I in the had morning. before the uh, the ones I had before the the Primark. The skinny Primark yeah, jeans like, one before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you getting up in the morning. You used to get you used to get into bed at night. I used to be in your room. You used to take them off. 
inside your bed and you used to flick them out and then I used to come back in in the morning with like a drink or a coffee or something and you used to literally just swing your legs out big and just like slip the same things like straight back on <laughs> I really struggled to get trousers that A, look good on me and B, actually fit my measurements because it's weird because I've got like, I've got short legs but I've got thick thighs and and a slightly uh, like I've Ooh, got like a 32 did. waist. I've got like basically a Welsh rugby player's legs. So <laughs> you've got a 32 waist. Yeah, mate. I thought you'd be like like 23. Nah, no, nah, not 32 anymore. 32 waist, <laughs> mate. I'm yeah. like a 34, 36. You're yeah, fat. I mean, you're getting fat. <laughs> you're getting fat. Ooh, Morty, fuck. <laughs> Oh, I mean, you're not getting fat. You're not getting fat. You were, previously to this, you were just like bone. So, well, I weighed fair. like I weighed like eight and a half stone at the age of like nineteen. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> mate, I weighed eight and a half stone when I came out the fucking womb. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird. Like those trousers that you're talking about. Like I still got them. I was still wearing them because like my Primark jeans jeans have like shrunk. To the point where I can't really wear them yeah. anymore. So I was wearing those OG 2013 like ch- black chinos again, but now but, but, like they've totally like frayed uh, on on the gooch. Yeah, can't really oh, wear yeah, them anymore. That always happens. That's that's where my jeans go, gooch. They just <laughs> they just fray away, and then they just turn into that like, stretchy string stuff. You know, and yeah, you're just trying to make uh, it last like as long as possible. Like please, please, just last another day. Another day. All right, I've got a question for you then. This is actually off our Twitter page. Um, guys, if you're not following us on Twitter, we're at Level Up Pod AD. Pretty confusing uh, thing, but it was the only one that mostly looked like our name. All right, so here's your first question. I've got two questions. Here's your first question. I want you to say one nice thing about this movie, right. Justice League. Uh, um, it had a good logo. <laughs> <laughs> I like the logo and the poster was nice. <laughs> yep, yep, that I mean that stands, yeah. The one thing that I liked about this movie, the one say one thing it's just like Twitter just makes me laugh, you know. Like how someone would just literally be like, say one nice thing about this movie, expert level. <laughs> like Alright, and another one. I had a little conversation here with um well, he's got he's got a funny name. It's in Sean's Random Opinions and Thoughts, um, and it's at E T R N four one four. And he put up a tweet. He says, "You can only choose two of these films, and the other two fade away forever." All right. So yeah. you've got to choose two films. Now the four films you've got to choose between are Batman: The Dark Knight, Baby Driver, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and Raimi's Spider-Man Two. It's the most difficult choice, man. It is a difficult uh, choice. See, I'll, I'll, I'll lay you with my choice. I'll lay you with my choice. Uh, and I've only picked I've picked this for a specific reason, because even even Sean's random opinions think thought I was a bit mental when I first said it. Because I kind of retweeted it. He was like, come on, like, pick. So I picked. I was like, for me, I would keep Batman and Baby Driver. Um, and then I replied as well, like, I'm sure David's going to have his own view on this. And he, Sean's random opinions and thoughts come back. He said, interesting combo, but fair. 
I knew that he might say that because I knew, obviously, the Raimi Spider-Man is so massive, um, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a good film, but, like, I just didn't really like it. So, I, my reasonings are, like, I didn't really like Scott Pilgrim. It just wasn't my thing. It didn't hit me in the right place at the right age. If I watched it again now, maybe I might like it a bit more. And, and although I think that Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is obviously an epic, I could live without having that knowing that there's spider-man living elsewhere do you know what i mean yeah because i think baby driver for me was one of the best films i'd seen that year i can't even remember what year it came out was it 2018 or 2019 uh 2018 2018 that was the you think that they came out like last year and then you have a look and they came out in like 2014 and you're like, what? Yeah, so Baby Driver for me, I mean, Edgar Wright, all of the all of the characters, Jamie Foxx, just fucking awesome. I think it's, it's a bit of a shit question because they've chosen two quite similar Edgar Wright films. I reckon they could have spiced mm. up with like, like another one that's sort of contemporary, like another modern British director. I'm trying to think. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, well, so, anyway, tell me, what do you think? So you've got Dark Knight, um, Baby Driver, Scott Pilgrim, Spider-Man 2. It's mad, because, like, obviously I love all four of those films, but they're they're films that I'll only put on if I haven't seen them for a while, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I think I'm definitely going to say Scott Pilgrim, because it's just so fucking funny. Like, there are some amazing bits. The HUD's brilliant in it. And... It takes a while for you to work out what the fuck is happening in that film, and then when it kicks in, you're like, whoa, this is great. Okay. So, I think I'm going to say Scott Pilgrim. I do find The Dark Knight a bit boring. I'm not, I know this is bad yeah. to say, but I do find it a bit long, like, in places. I was umming and ahhing in between Batman and the Spider-Man, only because what swung it for me was that <clears throat> now, I've seen an, uh, now I've seen a Spider-Man that I love more than, than that original Spider-Man. So I'm happy to let that be forgotten about and like mm. let's like have like we'll still have two more Spider-Mans post losing that film. Um and just Batman, there is not really there's not really another Batman franchise where I'm like, Yeah, that's pretty fucking good. But I do know what you mean. I didn't get into the Batman trilogy when I first watched it. I didn't like it, it freaked me out a bit when I was younger, and then I watched it again and I thought it was pretty good. But it is very Leng, like it just goes on yeah. and on and on and on. It's always dark. Doesn't cut to brief. the chase. Yeah. So while we're on the while we're on that little um, thing with DC, I just well I, I tagged you in it this morning. The Audible, the Audible book of the Sandman. Yeah. You see this? Yeah. I just tagged you in it. it looks yeah, yeah. It looks awesome. James, Great trailer. James, James, well. James McAvoy as Morpheus. I think. Yeah. I don't know, like, Neil Gaiman as well is based on a graphic novel by Neil Gaiman, so it's obviously going to be an amazing story already. I don't know, I just feel like DC have got their fucking fingers in everything at the moment. They're just trying to do anything they can to try and stay relevant. It's weird. Yeah, I think... Well, yeah, like, I think it's pretty obvious that because Marvel have got the monopoly over, like, the big, epic, like, proper films, I think DC... Mm. I've always kind of had uh, an audience that would be more open to like trying the comic book stories out in different formats. Like yeah, doing an, yeah. I can't, I can't ever see. May, well, potentially a Silver Surfer audio series could work really well, but 
I can't really see anything else in the MCU or in Marvel that would work on that level. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it definitely gives DC like a bit of an edge and something something to actually you know it does? I keep, explore. I keep seeing I keep seeing bits and bobs that DC are releasing. I mean, we had we had Sam on here quite a while ago who was talking about the deceased series. Deceased. Yeah. That looks amazing. You've also got Harlequin on Channel Four. All thirteen episodes of that are out now. I mean, that's Did you nothing finish it? like. I've not finished it yet. No. Oh um, man, the last like tonight. five episodes. The last five episodes go off. They they have some mad uh, story. Really, it's I'm really, really excited. Cool, like I was so excited by it because it was like something that I hadn't seen DC do before, and I like yeah. the fact that DC are branching out and they're trying to. They're trying to reach people with different formats. It's important because not everyone likes doing the same thing. It's plainly obvious that DC have not cracked it with the movies, so they've got to try something else. And instantly they've come out of it. They've put Harlequin, which is fucking awesome. And then this this with James McAvoy of Morpheus, another awesome idea. Fantastic voice as well. I just, yeah. I'm just interested. Yeah, my issue with DC is never the characters or the comics it's it's with the way that they adapt the stories from the comics and the characters into other other forms but i feel yeah. like with dc and marvel they're kind of doing the reverse of each other so like in the 60s and 70s marvel had had all those different Nothing. cartoons and and like all those different uh, experiments that they tried out and then yeah. and then that kind of informed what happened with the spider-man films and then like the x-men films and then the mcu like, was a product like example, of all of those years yeah. of like evolution whereas dc felt like it didn't really have as much of a growth over the years kind of thing yeah 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 like i mean yeah i mean look at look at marvel back then i mean howard the duck is it howard the duck uh yeah they literally made a comic for like a duck what the fuck a duck? A duck? Man, what the fuck? I reckon you could do like a great comedy like Netflix show about how duck. I'm surprised they haven't done yeah, that. Yeah, but it would have to be it would have to be close to the cuff, just as similar to Harlequin, I think. Yeah, yeah, it would be like you know that film Ted. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be exactly, like Ted. Yeah. Actually, I can really imagine that fella playing him, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Because <laughs> he already sounds like a duck, you know. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to get a Warburger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, oh, we, be- we better move on. We better we better move on, mate. We better move on. Yeah. I'm getting on that superhero hype as per. <laughs> okay, so today's episode uh we we decided to do it about golden age cinema and that's that's quite a broad topic i, I kind of gave aiden a list of films because aiden hasn't seen many of these films because he's been like forced to watch like the shitter more traditional versions of these like films from that time so you've been given a Zulu. certain impression where eagles dare Oh, so many, such crap. Like the really old dad's arm. Like no, no, dad's army. Yeah, no, that's, I mean that's they're sick. probably okay films, but they're they're a bit more yeah. like racist. <laughs> they're and as a well, bit, uh... when you have to watch this when you're like 11, 12 years old, you actually want to kill yeah. yourself because all you want to watch is The Simpsons. The old films that I saw, I chose to watch them because I was interested in them. So basically, what got me into these films of this era was Alfred Hitchcock. When I was like uh, around 15, 16, and I was starting to explore the world of film and cinema a bit more, I found out about Alfred Hitchcock, and then I started like watching all his films. 
I think the first one I watched by him was Psycho, and that was made in 1960. That was like a, mm. it's a, it's a horror film. And it's probably one of his more coherent films. It was, it was, in, it was at a really high point in his career, and it's a horror as well. So he was sort of, again, he was at the start of like the new form of horror films back then. So that's kind of mm. what we got me into him. And then I went back and looked at his 1930s films. He did a load of films in the mid-20s to late 1930s in the UK. And then during the war, he, he went over to America, started making like these films in Hollywood. And then during the 50s, he made, obviously, Rear Window, Vertigo, Rope, Dial M for Murder, like all of these films. And he always... You know what you're going in for with the Alfred Hitchcock film. There's going to be suspense. There's going to be a romp. There's going to be like a lot of like twists and turns. It's, it's, uh, and they're, they're always adaptations of like books. Sort of like Agatha Christie books or Daphne du Maurier books. All of these sorts of things. So through looking at his career, because he started off, his very first film was Silent black and white and it was made in 1927 then he he makes a black and white film he makes black and white films with sound then he makes color films with sound and like just before he died he was making like proper dirty sort of 70s sort of dirty horror films and he made like frenzy so yeah basically through like being obsessed with his career i've had a completely different indoctrination to the golden age cinema so i kind of thought it was a good idea to show you like the two halves to it as I kind of see it. So you've got like the black and white talky films of the 1930s and 40s and then in the 50s and early 60s I suppose that still counts. You've got like the the more colour films where a lot more stuff is going on and happening. So, Musicals. So, yeah, we watched... Another show. <laughs> they all sound like that. They, they all sing like, like with their mouth like like <laughs> stripped open and opening so mad yeah, yeah. Then in the 30s they were like oh hello oh come here good sport it's so yeah I, I gave you a list of films and you picked two off the list well we'll go from the older one first we went and watched yeah. the Alfred Hitchcock 39 Steps and it was made in 1935 yeah. we watched it late last night so Aidan what did you think well well Look, I know, I know about, I know about this existence. I hadn't seen it before, uh, but I know about its existence because if you if you listen, you know me. I, I've trained in musical theatre, so theatre is obviously a massive part of my life. It's part of the reason that I live in London anyway, so I can go and see these things and go and see these shows. Uh, Thirty nine steps ran at the Criterion Theatre in London for. I'm not sure how many years, but quite a while. Um, it always, it always like piqued my interest. I always kind of wanted to see it, but it was always just one of those ones where, am I going to go watch Thirty Nine Steps or am I going to go watch, you know, Phantom of the Opera? And I was like, yeah, I'll go and watch Phantom of the Opera. Or yeah, I'll go and watch Kinky Boots. Or blah 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 yeah. blah. And I kind of like brushed it under the carpet, and now it's gone. Um, and it definitely will come back. But basically, the show piqued my interest, which is why I picked out David's list. I said, yeah, let's watch this one because I kind of know that it's about a spy and there's something to do with a train as well and all this shit yeah i mean i mean yeah the black and white thing you can suspend your disbelief for a bit and then like you either get sucked into it or you don't i think i'm not i'm not a black and white film guy david on the other hand can happily sit down and watch a black and white film if if it's something that is gonna properly catch his interest because he's 
he's interested in, what film they're using, what camera they're using, you know, all the different styles and the different ways in which they have to do things because things aren't as easy now. You can't just film it, you know, and put it on an SD card. It was it was much more difficult then. So I understand why you appreciate appreciate that side of it so much more. But from a person who doesn't really care about the filming and, and kind of like that, I'm like, yeah, black and white instantly kind of as as a, you know, a lot of people feel like this as well. Black and white film, I'm just instantly bored. Like, you get into that mind space where you're like, oh, because it's black and white and it's old, it must be boring. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, but I didn't. I didn't try to, I didn't try to get into it. It was good. It was, there was, it's funny to see how, how much, like, cinema has changed. Like, the amount of silence in the film it was definitely like no it annoyed <laughs> it hurt me man it hurt me there was all these well, there's, there's, there's all like these whole moments. like three minute scenes isn't there where there's just like nothing no sound <laughs> all you can hear is the white noise where they're obviously like telling people to just be quiet <laughs> while they're rolling <laughs> all you can hear is like this shh yeah yeah, yeah um I, I, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was rubbish. I didn't think it was bad. It's just not my specific cup of tea. But that being said, yeah, yeah. after watching the film, I'll be really, 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 really interested to go and watch the show now because there's something about that era. It's very theatrical that era. Um, in silent movies, there was this. You've seen Hollywood, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, you've watched yeah. Hollywood yeah, on yeah, Netflix. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. there's this whole there was this whole transition between going from silent movie to going to speaking movie, and a lot of um, just like in just like in the other film that we watched, Singing in the Rain. There's that whole thing with the woman with the voice about how she doesn't have the right voice, but she looks perfect. The transition from silent to thing is is strange. I've lost I've lost myself. I've completely lost myself here. Basically, from what you're saying, it's I think it's crazy that we have films that are that good and that coherent from 1935. It's nearly a hundred years ago. We can watch them and understand them, and they and they work as films. I, I think what I really like about the 39 Steps is all the different scenarios that they create for the main character. Just there's so much good action in it. It's, it's genuinely so funny in, in bits as well. Like, there's just some really funny humour. You can really see, like, Alfred Hitchcock's East End upbringing in that film, I think. Because his dad was yeah. a greengrocer. He was, like, around all these cockneys. Like, there's two scenes in the film where they're in, like, either a hall or a music hall. And someone's giving a speech and they're getting, like, heckled by people in the audience. And each line yeah, by was... someone in the audience is so funny. <laughs> That was one of the things that I found like mildly distracting about it. There was all these fucking weird sounds like taking over the main bit of sound that you were trying to listen to. And like when you're on yeah. the train, th there was that moment on the train when he's saying the S's and then every time he says an S word, like, there's the fucking... Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the train horn and that just... Like after a while, I'm just sitting there like I'm getting really pissed off by it. Like fucking... Can you just stop pulling the fucking train horn? Please, stop pulling the fucking train horn. I'm trying to listen to what he's saying. You just keep pulling the train horn. Stop, please. <laughs> I remember what my original point was as well, going back, is the whole the transition for the actors between silent film and speaking film is was was a strange era because you've got all these people mm. 
that thought that they were amazing actresses and amazing actors that once once it turned to kind of like talking roles it all kind of dropped out but you've also got mm. this acting style where obviously in a silent film you'd have to overact 20 times as much in order to convey something that you needed to show because you'd have to show it with your face or your body yeah yeah and now yeah. when when the transition moved and suddenly you're allowed to talk to convey emotion you don't have to use your face as much i mean when 39 steps was done do you know when the first speaking film came out let me let me look it up i'm pretty sure it's called the jazz singer yeah the jazz singer 1927 so yeah uh 39 steps was 1935 so how many yeah, so years that is that was quite, like... that was quite a few years quite a few years eight years like eight years yeah Eight years, but like it was funny to see the energy that they had in the scenes in Thirty Nine Steps. The actors I'm talking about, their acting just in general at the moment is yeah, it's it, it's still quite pantomime. It doesn't like you couldn't you couldn't take their acting and put that into a film now. It would be way over the top. People would be like, "What's going on here?" But that that exactly what they're doing, how they're acting, is exactly stage acting, and that is yeah. no like lie. That is taken from the stage everything that they said even the way they looked every little detail about the way they were delivering stuff even you know even when they're talking to each other and it's kind of like uh, but I don't know what to do and it's kind of like you know chucked out but it's to a camera not to an audience Um, but I did find that quite interesting that was that was the thing that piqued my interest in it is more theatrical the, the the golden age cinema is way more theatrical it was it was like going to a theater but you're watching it on the screen it's a really interesting point you make there actually because their training would have been in theater acting it's, it's a completely different style of acting from stage to film and obviously because mm. film was still relatively new they were still learning what type of style of acting and type of like performance works well on camera um, and like again, a, an example of why Marilyn Monroe was so popular in her era was because she was one of the first actors that could convey a screen performance in her face, in the way she in in the way she moves. Like it wasn't all like chucking it out yeah. and uh, yeah, 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 and projecting and all of this sort of stuff. And there's a really good film about that. Actually, it's got um, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh plays Laurence Olivier. And uh, oh, yeah, I can't I remember who that. plays Marilyn Monroe. Um, I've seen that but film. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. That film's yeah, all yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. How um, how yeah. he had this older style of acting, and she had this new style of acting, and then how he grew grew to learn that she's actually better than him in in film, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah like that's it's a good point. And I think I think now is kind of the perfect time to sort of move on to. Uh, singing in the rain because this is what yeah. singing in the rain is all about, isn't it? It's about, well. yeah, yeah. It's about, it's about it, yeah. So yeah, you um, you you've seen bits of the stage show, but you hadn't seen yeah, the film, so have you? Singing in the rain was in London for three or four years. I'm pretty sure at the uh, at the at the theatre where Harry Potter is now. I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, um, I didn't get, I didn't manage to go watch the stage show live, but I've seen. Mm. Um, I, I like back home. There was like singing in the rain workshops, like singing in the rain. Like you'd always do, like obviously you, when you do Amdram and you come from a seaside town, your target audience is people over sixty because that's who is going to pay. That's who's got the money <laughs> yeah. to come watch your shows. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you're doing a cabaret show, you have singing in the rain. You have another opening, another show. You have 
circle of life you have all of that crap in that you know people know the phantom of the opera do you know what i mean music of the night all of that kind of rubbish like because they love it so i know it i know i knew about it but i never watched the original film and that was mostly because uh, of my previous kind of discussion i just yeah. not really interested i was way more interested in what's happening now than what was happening 50 years ago and i've always kind of had this bee in my bonnet about the past because i feel like britain they love to britain loves to do like worry about old shit that happened fucking hundreds of years ago all the time and they don't focus on now and then that's why you know there's there's statues of racists standing in the middle of the street like that yeah. you know because they're worrying about what happened you know 50 100 200 years ago instead of worrying you know that there's people like dying on the street they're like oh yeah but these people didn't have any potatoes in 1923 it's like i, I, I don't care like it doesn't matter like we don't need to like <laughs> release a commemorative coin about it like it's not it's not important so yeah singing in the rain i liked it i did i sat there and watched it it was interesting what made me what surprised me was once we get into this era, when was the, when was Singing in the Rain released, mate? Uh, nineteen fifty-two. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're getting to Broadway, and now in Broadway, in pretty much every Broadway theatre, you've got vaudeville shows. Vaudeville yeah. shows are essentially shows that are made up. They don't have any through line. It's not a story. It's uh, it's a show with multiple songs, multiple acts, doing different things. And yeah, what yeah. made me kind of like love it was the fact that it was the main character explaining his life like it was a vaudeville show. Um, but when you're watching it, you're not seeing, you, you see a story, not the vaudeville show that he's trying to explain kind of thing. Like yeah. that whole like sequence where he's like imagining the big dance routine and the big number of all the Broadway lights. Oh yeah. Is it called Broadway? Broadway, Broadway, or something? Is it uh, Gotta Dance? That one. That was amazing. I love, I love that. That was so good. So that was so good. <laughs> Gotta Dance. So long. Like the, that, the, like the whole scene in the rain film was basically just told in that one sequence. <laughs> yeah. Um, the singing in the rain bit, the bit. Oh, yeah. I thought that was absolutely incredible. I won't lie. Yeah. It was just. It's weird. Great. What I find strange about that film is like why that bit is like the main like bit that's about bit. The, like the yeah because the film is about like cinema and and, and talkies moving into like uh, silent films moving into talkies. Mm. It's the singing in the rain bit is like such a throwaway moment within the film and it serves no relevance to the plot. I don't get why. The, the whole film is called Singing in the Rain and it's always got them with the umbrellas and shit. It's like, when you haven't seen it and you don't know what the film is about, you think it's just going to be about like some bloke and a girlfriend like that get together in the rain. Like It's it's weird. It's kind of... That yeah. is Vaudeville Theatre. So, a Vaudeville Theatre... Uh, I'm trying to find like the perfect way to explain it to you. It, so, say... <clears throat> Right, we're on Broadway. It's the 1950s, right? Me and you, we decided that we've got to put on a show, yeah? On a Broadway yeah. theatre. We might get a week to get into the theatre and get out, right? So we've been given the space. We've been told how much money we've got to make. Now we've got to make the show, right? So we pick ten performers. We've got eight backing dancers or five backing dancers and five, you know, a couple of circus performers, um, a really, like, a woman singer 
and maybe like a circus act or whatever yeah and now mm. basically it's now our job to write the music for this show so per se i've already got this song that's been used in another vaudeville show like singing in the rain yeah so i'm gonna take yeah. that song and because it's my song doesn't matter if someone's seen it before in, the, in a different in a different place because it's my song i'm gonna be like okay well i'm gonna put this song singing in the rain into my show now yeah mm. and it was i don't know i don't know if you see it because you're not mu- you're not theatery really but yeah, all, yeah. it was all those little sections there was the section the section that stood out most to me was the one with the broadway lights mm. like the dream sequence that is so like vaudeville it, it just hurts like it, it's the vaudeville is the idea that there's all these tiny sections but they're not really coherent with anything but they're what yeah. makes the show. That's what that's what makes people want to go watch it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah. when you think of singing in the rain, instantly you think of that scene. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then, and then in turn, you're like, I want to see that. I want to see that. I want to see that bit. I want to see that bit. And then you're gonna go watch it because you want to see that bit. It's vaudeville's like it's like seeds. It's kind of it's kind of like almost more of like a licensing thing like these the writers of the musical have kind of like well i've got this like sick tune that i like, want to make loads of money on mm. let's just shove it in this musical even though it doesn't make sense like yeah. but it's a good yeah, exactly. song so no one's gonna give a shit anyway exactly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that does make a lot more sense actually you explain that really well good but one of the things that I find crazy as well is um, Debbie Reynolds, the the girl that ends up becoming famous for that starts off as like a backing dancer and then ends up becoming famous. She was nineteen. She was nineteen. Yeah, she <laughs> and she's like she's you know you know those old like nineteen fifties sixties paintings of like little girls wearing like little red yeah, dresses yeah. like polka dot dresses and they've got like and they're like holding a lolly like. <laughs> Yeah, and their yeah. faces look like porcelain dolls. She looked like that. She looked like it looked like her face wasn't. It looked like it was drawn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, that was fantastic. Insane. Like she, like I think. Well, I've heard, I've heard some shit that. Uh, so basically, Gene Kelly was such a control freak. Um, he basically directed that film, uh, which is why his name is so high on the bill because. He basically would slap down the director and be like, "No, it has to be done like this." And apparently, the the other two actors, like the bloke uh, that's Gene Kelly's mate and and Debbie Reynolds, apparently they hated working with him because he would just literally like slap them Is down Gene if they Kelly got the, the tiniest bit wrong. Can I, can I just make sure? I, I got a little yeah. bit confused. Is, was Gene Kelly? Um, the main guy, Don, or is he Gene Kelly, the little dancer? He's kid? the main guy, the main guy. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, because he was so like authoritarian on set, it does mean that every single take in that film is at a level of uh, performance that I don't think anyone could ever match up to now. Like, I think that's partly yeah, why we like... don't have films like that now because, like. You don't have those Gene Kelly characters that would literally like kick you in the face if you got it wrong. Like they they must have gone over and over and over and over those routines like so hard, like to the point where they were yeah, like, like, you know, like Whiplash, that film Whiplash, yeah. when he's like, oh, you're you're out of time. Like I reckon it was like that. 
Yeah, Absolute most probably. I mean, brutal. any of the chorus girls got one kick wrong, they would have been out straight away. That's the way it yeah. was as well on Broadway. Any, any, there was no shit because there was sixty other girls, literally outside the theatre up until the moment it started, waiting for someone to break their legs so they could jump on and have their like moment in this moment in the stars kind of thing. See, yeah. right, I just want to mention this as well quickly. What I loved about it was, it is that theatrical side. It made me almost sad that I wasn't born like 50 years ago because yeah. that style is a style that I fit in mostly to like all of the new musicals uh, Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen Mean Girls all of this kind of stuff it doesn't it doesn't have the same you know pizzazz as, mm. it, as, as, as some of that old stuff does because it's about the story it's about the music it's it's not about how high you can belt and how high you can kick your leg. It's a it's about yeah. the actual sustenance of the story and what the actors can make of that. Like I loved Gene Kelly in that film, like his acting. Like I always, I was always kind of mesmerised by the way he danced because it yeah. is upsetting that I will never be able to dance that well and look that <laughs> cool. Like he, like Gene Kelly. There must have been so many blokes in the sixties gone like, oh well. I've, gonna have to start dancing now because gene kelly is literally like like what i thought was like for women you know what i mean like they probably all thought dancers for women and then gene kelly literally coming out he looks so cool man so cool yeah. he's probably clearing up you know what i mean and <laughs> and, and it, probably there were so many blokes like oh fucking hell i better get down to tap classes fucking hell <laughs> yeah it just made me sad because i wish that i I, w I would love the opportunity to do something that was that was like that. Like I have that that old fifties, sixties voice is just like it fits. So I'm singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling! I'm happy again. Like it's so like crony and yeah. Like I just love that kind of like <laughs> I love that male role in in those in those things. Like yeah, it's it, it's such a an amazing document of like of how that period of like film history they used to just commit absolutely commit yeah. to it. Yeah, I think yeah, it, it's one of those films that you just you can't beat it really. Like if you actually take the time to watch it and just uh, as a millennial kind of young younger person that's been brought up on more like polished uh, modern day films Stuff. like yeah like if you just if you're just there and you're just like fuck it i'm just gonna watch it you will not be disappointed like yeah See, yeah it's, it's such I, a good film there is a there's a film of 42nd street is there not uh yeah it's ringing a bell i'm pretty sure gene kelly's in that yeah he is 42nd Street, musical. Oh, no, yeah, I'm right. 42nd Street, 1933. Ah, uh, yeah, so it's a little bit older then. Yeah, a little bit older. Um, uh, That had Ginger Rogers in it. Ah, <laughs> uh, right, yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the one with the mad, like, uh, synchronised dance, and there's this crazy shot yeah, that's like that's a bird's eye view. Well, I went to see that on stage, and that was just... There's something, there's something magical about that old style, about yeah. all those like brass instruments like blaring out and that band like constantly waiting to just come in. Like that's another thing that I loved about singing in the rain was, just like 
there's always like some bloke like just about who can like to start playing music. Do you know what I mean? Like they'll just yeah. be walking down the street and there'll be some like old like homeless bloke on like a on like a pub piano, and then all of a sudden this whole musical number will just ensue and you'll be like yes, <laughs> like like all round just this one bloke like yeah. I rate like, it. For me, it I kind of really it. sums up. It like really sums up that like post World War Two spirit, where it was all about like we've lived in these grey, depressing, black and white times for throughout the war. Uh, now it's time to get some fucking colour and some like light and some happiness to to raise everyone's spirits and like mm. we might kill ourselves making this show, but. For, for the sake of, like, making people feel like they're alive again, it's worth it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think maybe now is... Yeah, well, I don't... I don't the old, like, uh... you end... You really slapped that down in that last thing that you just said. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say after that. Yeah, yeah. I agree, man. I'm glad that you yeah. made me watch it. I'm glad, I'm glad... I'm more glad that you made me watch Singing in the Rain than 39 Steps, I won't lie. Um, the 39 glad... steps is kind of just one of them things just to give you some more more basis to your argument of like black and white films kind of thing like you have to see yeah. like a, have to like see a 5 one. out of 10 black and white I can't, 30s film I can't go fucking like I can't go judging everything if I've not even seen it can I yeah exactly I can't sit I can't sit here and say that I don't like it unless I've seen it yeah that's the so point maybe now now so... is the time now now I need to be forced to watch a Star Wars film by you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think it's I think it, there's there's definitely time soon. You're gonna have to watch something. I don't know what we're gonna do next week yet, mate. But you're gonna have to watch something that I like because yeah, right. So level up then, yeah. Yeah, let's let's do a level up. I think for my my personal level up, I don't think I can level up singing in the rain. So I'm gonna level up thirty nine steps. So what are you saying? What are you gonna level up? I'm gonna le- I'm gonna level up singing in the rain. I'm gonna do singing in the rain. Okay, I I went. Would you first like me to? I, week, I think you... I, you did go first last week, and I think I think mine is gonna be the car crash this week. <laughs> 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 I feel like there's gonna be like a car crash, like you know, syncopation yeah. every week, where like I'm gonna fuck it, you're gonna fuck it, I'm gonna fuck it. <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, so yeah, let's just explain it one more time. So now we've got a level up section. I'm going to be given a minute on the clock. I'm going to have to try and um, basically give my opinion to give my reasons on how I think that uh, Singing in the Rain could be made better if they were going to do it now. Um, so, uh, And then we're going to have a little discussion about it. And then Monsieur Dave is going to have a go as well. Okay. Right. I'm nervous, man. Ready? I'm really nervous. Yeah. Alright, okay, so Singing in the Rain, not seen it before, did think it was bloody awesome, yeah. I'm not really sure how how it would how it would stand to make it better, and you've obviously got the stage show as well. So that lives that point where it can live on, basically. If they were gonna make it better, I would Hollywood it. So Netflix Hollywood it. Up the budget, up everything, up those scenes, you know, and use actors that are actually capable of doing that shit, you know. Someone like Gene Kelly was so poignant at that moment in time. Like, he could do all that stuff. He could sing, he could dance, he could act. Don't bother putting in someone like fucking... I don't even care, you know, someone. Some some random Hollywooder, like Mark Wahlberg, who's going to come in and do it. He can't sing. Like, they did that with Les Mis. Like, it's completely pointless. Put someone on from Broadway that can fucking smash it. Give, give the parts to the people who deserve it, rather than 
you know, just random people. Uh, aside from the oh, fucking hell, it's going. Um, uh, aside from that, just make it better. I don't know. That wasn't that bad, mate. I think you did a good job there. I mean, leveling up singing in the do rain you, is pretty hard. Do, do you understand what I just said? I just said basically make uh, make singing in the rain, but just make it a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I do think singing in the rain is good, but if you could just make it a bit better, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you know, like I think I think it just needs to be better, isn't it? Like you just make it better, innit? So, <laughs> all right. Look, just to just to just to re-clarify what I was talking about. Yeah, there. yeah. Hollywood, they have this tendency at the moment to kind of because they obviously want to want people to see the shows. They'll cast all these big names and people for like the main parts in musicals who can't fucking do it. They can't sing. They can't dance. They can't. Most of them can't even fucking act. And I don't know why they yeah. do that. And then they use all the people from all the people that have been in the shows. On like Broadway or the West End, they're all like the ensemble, like the background artists and the people in the background moving around. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, like the point that you could start someone's career. Like Gene Kelly didn't become Gene Kelly just because he's Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly became yeah, Gene yeah. Kelly because he was fucking talented. Like he was a fucking talented bloke. So you've got all these talented people like that can sing, that can dance, that can act. Unfortunately, movie stars they can't do that. A lot of them can't do that. Some of them probably can, but a lot of them won't be able to do all three as good. You know, I, I, I class myself as an actor who can do that, and I can't even do all of that. I can't dance very well. I can sing and I can act, yeah, but I can't dance amazingly. Mm. I'm not like Gene Kelly anyway. But if, if you're going to make these, if you're going to redo these, so I know West Side, Stories, West Side Story is meant to be coming out today, actually. Um, the remake was meant to be coming out today. Oh, with Steven Spielberg and they, yeah like they've played it well there they've got the guy from Baby Driver playing um, yes Tony that's a really really yeah. very very strong shout and they've also got a Maria who's literally just a schoolgirl. like she was just a, she's just a schoolgirl from America who's got an amazing voice and is really amazingly talented and like think about how you've now shot their careers like fucking skywards because you've mm. given someone an opportunity to show that they're good at something rather than putting someone like Russell Crowe or Hugh Jackman in Les Mis. Absolutely yeah. dire. Like, Hugh Jackman, I love Hugh Jackman so much and it hurt me that he played that role because he just wasn't good. Like, he went mm. he went like 300% on the acting because he couldn't sing it. Like, there's no point in doing that. I stole the loaf of bread! Like, no, um... Uh, <laughs> Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman's, Hugh Jackman's what I would call like a goat. Yeah, yeah. So he, like, it's vibrato all the time, like anything. Like, so l let me just lay it down. You know you know that song in Les Mis, Bring Him Home? Uh, I think so. You probably, you'll definitely know it. God on high, hear my prayer. That one. Uh, yeah. It's a really, it's a really emotional song anyway. Obviously it starts so minuscule, so quiet. God on high. It's meant to start there. Hugh Jackman did it. Yeah. Where did he start? God on high. 
<laughs> my prayer. Like that's that goat vibrato coming in. It's constant, like slamming in between like two octaves and two notes, like like a fucking like a fucking boat where the engine's fucked. It's like unnecessary. Anyway, I've been babbling, so you you better go for your level up. Right. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Right. Fuck. Now you're nervous. All right, okay, okay, I'll give you a countdown. Three, Three yeah. two, one, hit it! Right, so my idea would be along the lines of recasting it. So you'd get the script from the the show that was on uh, in London. I'd cast Michael Fassbender as the main guy. He'd be a classic sort of English, like, top, kind of like, but always managed to sneak himself out of the situation. In the halfway through the film, the main character gets himself handcuffed to this girl that has to go along with him. I'll cast Jennifer Lawrence for that character. They're gonna Ooh. the main bulk of the film. I'll beef up their whole bit where they're on the run together. These two mismatched people that are stuck together, going through all these different situations. I'd kind of like to have like an Edgar Wright style of direction for the film, so it's totally like pastiche. None of it is really meant to be taken that seriously. I kind of like a lot of the humour of like airplane or something like that in it. I think I think it could really work, but sort of beef up like taking the piss out of like classic British like sort of culture and cinema. And that's how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> You know what makes me laugh about that music, you know, is that every time, once it gets to that point where it's like, like, you just can't, you just can't, I just punched my headphone out of my ear and now I've lost it. Yeah, like once it gets to that point, you're just like, and that's how we do it on level up. Yeah, painful. Yeah, uh, mate, I thought that was a fantastic idea. Michael Fassbender is a fantastic choice for that bloke. Actually, they yeah. look like spits of each other, which really made me like... Yeah, that's yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, if you put that little like, moustache on Michael... Michael Fassbender... Yeah, when he when he does that sort of, like, English accent in, like, Inglorious Bastards and stuff yeah. like that, I think I think it would be great. Because he, he doesn't do a lot of comedy either, so I think it would be a nice little Can you do that? Can you do that kind of like really overly RP accent? Who? Like that, that you? Can you do Me? like a British like yeah like a? I can sort of do like like one from that era. It's like oh hello yes welcome to all the races. It's always like a like a horse racer like. I carry out on the left. We have uh, yeah well, goodbye <laughs> Benny. Goodbye Benny. Coming on the left. Oh Black Benny is coming on the right. Oh yes here we go. Oh they're coming out to the police side. Oh, oh yes he's coming to the police. Oh yes here we go. There you go. Yep. <laughs> I have to do it like that. That's the only way I can do it. <laughs> what makes me laugh about their acting is it's always very mysterious. Ooh. <laughs> like, I mean? Yeah. They're always like looking over their Ooh. collar like, oh, yeah. is that really the case, darling? Oh, it seems <laughs> that I've had one brandy too many, my darling, and I must <laughs> alight onto the carriage of the train in order to escape from these young felons. <laughs> It's even like that, or it's like, are you married? Yeah, but don't rub it in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, you just want to get away from the missus? Why didn't you tell me in the first place making up stories about spies? Yeah, I, I like also like the, the Edgar Wright idea. That Edgar Wright-esque. I think, I think I reckon, what would be like, amazing about, about 39 steps. Scenes, like on the train and shit. Like all those yeah. bits with the, all the cool cuts. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I, I think one really awesome thing about having Edgar Wright as a director for that movie would be the music. It yes. Would, it would cease to be silent now. There wouldn't be all those long, like, two, three-minute scenes where you're just watching something happen. And I get it. I, I get why it's like that. I'm not... I'm not you know, I'm not, I'm not pushing that away. It, it's like that for a reason yeah. because they want you. They don't want you to focus on the sound. They want you to focus on what's fucking happening. And also I get it was that. Fucking impossible to level up layers of sound and music all together on one stream oh, yeah. back then. <laughs> exactly. So it, yeah. So you had no. You had no option basically. Um, but I just yeah. think you know Edgar Wright fucking loves his music, man. Mm. And like, he loves that timing. And I just think that would just pinch it over like a little bit more of the film I really like that idea actually Dave that's a fucking good yeah. and the fact that you would take the the London script rather than the movie script take take the play script and adapt that back from theatre back into back into film again because yeah. that's an interesting like timeline for, for, the, for the movie itself it's come from kind of it would have come from probably being a stage script for some fucking you know, place out in wherever where, and then it got developed into this into this movie that was set in the thirties. And now, when I look back at that movie, I think that looks so theatrical now. So, what would the yeah. movie look like now? Would be really, really, really cool. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd be I'd be interested to see if that has ever been mentioned or is maybe potentially in the works because I could see that that was especially with especially with the 100 year anniversary coming along well in the next 10-15 years mm. it would be I think I, well I the, the thing is with the 39 steps there's um, there is a couple of different versions they because it was originally it was a book right so it was a book yeah, yeah, yeah. then uh, Hitchcock got the rights to make it into the film um, and the, 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 the version of the 39 steps I first saw was a BBC uh, it was like a BBC movie kind of thing. It was like an hour long, two episodes, um, and they beefed and they made it like a proper spy story. And um, yeah, it was a good, it was a good version, but it kind of lacked. I think what really works about the Thirty Nine Steps is that the, what Hitchcock brought to the table, because the original book wasn't a comedy; it was just a spy story. Um, yeah. But yeah, what Hitchcock brought to it was all the comedy. I think that that's yeah. a, the comedy side to it, rather than the serious version of the book. I think is is a lot more fun because it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it's such a classic spy storyline. It just enables you to take the piss out of all these other spy films mm. and like do all these jokes like throughout. I think I think that's the, mm-hmm. that's the side to what I really like. But yeah, I think it is it is definitely due for another version now. I think. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah. It's a real Netflixer. Can I imagine Netflix yeah, getting yeah. on the hype with that? Or Prime Video. I mean, um, Edgar Wright has got a new film coming out soon. It's called Last Night in Soho. Apparently, it's his first like serious film. It's not overtly a comedy. It's it's just like a it's like a horror film. Apparently, it's set in 1960s. Oh, I've, I've it's got like, Matt this, Smith yeah. in it. It's got Matt Smith and Anya Taylor Joy. Who I've like both those actors are fucking awesome. So I'm very excited to, for uh, for mm. that to come out. Yeah. Should we should we move on to the news now? Because I've got some cool news. Yeah, yeah, man. Let's hit the news. 
Right, so news. Seth Rogen has got the rights to make a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Ooh. So, I mean, I'm not the biggest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, but I think that could be potentially quite good. I think he's the right sort of guy to take that on. Because if you think about what his other films, like that End of the World film, like those actors, they're always kind of like the three archetypes of, of the Turtles. Anyway, I mean, so I, I mean, I've got work. to be dead. I've got to be dead honest with you about that. If we're going to chat about it, is that what I'm hoping is that Seth Rogen has got those rights to that film because he loved the cartoon when he was younger and he wants to see it done mm. right. What I will hate about that is if he Seth Rogens it because if he Seth Rogens yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's going to be a laughing stock. It will probably be end up being pretty shit because I'm sure that Seth Rogen considered himself as a bit of a um, I think it's Michelangelo, uh, no Raf uh, Raf Raffaello I think the the guy with the orange one that loves the pizza. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know he's always like yeah bro let's just like shred it man like he's like that one that's always yeah. like yeah I don't know I don't know about that we'd have to wait and see for that. That'd be interesting. Did you ever see but the Michael I'm, Bay I'm almost, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one as well. I thought it was alright. I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it at all. I, it's, I mean, it it lives in it lives in its classical Michael Bay life. Mm. Like, it's such a Michael Bay film. It hurts. Like, I really, I actually quite enjoyed the second one as well. I thought the second one was quite good. If they're gonna do that, I'm hoping that's that Seth Rogen is has got those rights because there's some sort of nostalgia attached to it for him. There's something. There's some, there's like a piece of his childhood that's going to go into that film, hopefully. Mm, that's yeah. what I want to see anyway. If they're going to do that, because if they, you know, if they fucking super bad it or whatever it's called, you know, they just make yeah, it like yeah. every other Seth Rogen film where he's just like some like down in the dumps dad who's kind of cool and just smokes weed. Like, I'm <laughs> um, not really, I'm not really yeah. overtly interested in a teenage mutant ninja turtle film where that's happening. But because of his age he probably absolutely loved it so uh, you know yeah that, I've that's got what a feeling you want he's, to see he's, he's done it so he can do it like a, like a, like from a fan perspective of yeah like, I what think they that's the, that's the main thing that's the main thing that fans want to see when you've got stuff that's that old you want you you want to impress the fans I think that's that's why Power Rangers flop so hard is because they tried to make Power Rangers this kind of like Marvel film and Power Rangers isn't yeah. like that like and they didn't they didn't even like reference any of the shit that happened there was like one reference in the whole movie of like you know the fact that it's been running since 1995 20 years yeah. and they only referenced one thing in the whole movie about it like yeah so and, and I've heard like I said it on the Power Rangers episode but I've, I've heard rumours that, that that someone has got hold of the rights to the Power Rangers and they're making it well anyway um, yeah, I know there was uh, yeah there was a couple of other things I saw. I, I like I like the sound of this. Uh, Michael Keaton is apparently they're talking about bringing him back to play Batman, and they're they're talking like there's this is like this is like rumors. Apparently they're talking about Michael Keaton to play Batman again, and they're gonna get uh, Tim Burton to direct it, and also. I mean, I really like the sound of this. I'm surprised it hasn't been done before. Get Johnny Depp to play the Joker. And I've seen, like, people's, like, own mock-ups of Johnny Depp as the Joker online, and it looks fucking awesome. And it kind of made me think, like, 
how with every DC film, they've never done just a simple, faithful adaptation of a comic book story. They always just like try and completely remake their own version. There's not one DC yeah. film that I can think of that is like a completely faithful page to film adaptation of one of the stories. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I think so we're saying we're saying Michael Michael Keaton as Batman, he's going to play old man Batman kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have like a, obviously we're was see... Batman in the 90s ones. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that could be cool especially with Johnny Depp playing the Joker. You've got kind of like this like old man vibe going on. I would just yeah, I'll be interested to see how they're going to work it because of all the action and all of that kind of thing. Is Michael Keaton up to that? Like, I love yeah, him. I think, and, I think like, he I could love, probably hack it. I think he could probably hack it as well. I mean, he's he's done some fucking incredible stuff. I mean, he was amazing in Birdman. He was so good in Birdman. Yeah, and Spider Man as love, well. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, Spider Man obviously, and the Founder as well. I love the Founder. I thought that was amazing yeah. too. Yeah, that would be fucking awesome. I think Johnny Depp's Joker. That would be. That'd be one for the memory books, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Jared Leto would be pissed off. Jared Leto's just been pissed all <laughs> yeah. over. Like, <laughs> he's just fucked off. He's Morbius now. He's gonna try and make yeah, a name yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah, I think Johnny Depp is one of those actors that we have to see play the Joker at least once before he he dies. Like, yeah. it'll be a total waste. This is interesting news. I haven't heard any of this on the on the grapevine at all. Like. It's weird. Yeah, I, well, I, have to, I have to credit um, the Nick Helm uh, fan club podcast on uh, Football Radio because uh, they were talking about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's good ideas. Uh, yeah, the last bit of news that I had was um, Donny Cates is writing some mad crossover story uh, which c- uh, looks like it's going to involve Venom and Alien versus Predator. So oh, yeah, so so that, that's that's that the big kind of fucking mental. There's that's the big kind of like Marvel news this week is that Marvel have now acquired the rights for Alien and Predator, and so very soon we yeah. could be seeing Alien versus Predator like stepping into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, was it? Is it? Is it the cinematic rights as well? I thought it's just they, a comic they book. bought they bought the fucking rights all of it. <laughs> fucking hell, that's weird to think that Disney own Alien. <laughs> yeah, um, I I, th- I found that as well because I thought it was just comic book rights because that would make the most sense because obviously yeah. they've been trying to milk those Alien and Predator films for so long now. I saw the new Predator. I actually thought it was pretty good, but it was just the same as every other Predator. I've got around to seeing that actually. I need to I need to watch it's, that. It's good. It's good, but it's just like it looks better. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah, finally yeah. got. You know that tech on the alien suit and like not the uh, predator suit. Um, you know all that tech yeah. and all the guns and but the fighting it looks so much better now just because it can be because they've got the money for it. I think that's going to be interesting. And, and I was surprised as well to find out that they bought the rights to the characters outright. It's not just the comic book rights or the movie rights. It's they now own that, and I find that pretty fucking cool. But what I am yeah. now scared about is that. Fucking Disney are gonna get straight on that Alien Alien trilogy, that Predator trilogy, and then that Alien versus Predator trilogy, and they're just gonna like redo it again because that's what they do. I've never seen the Alien versus Predator films. Like, I, it's weird. It, well, we have to do an episode about Aliens at some point, but I, I think the first Alien film, obviously, it's a classic, but I didn't really enjoy it as much. My favorite yeah. Alien film, Aliens. Aliens. It's the second. Yeah, second one. Yeah. Yeah. It's best, so good. It's best man. out of them. The third one again yeah. is a bit crap but yeah it's 
yeah, it's it's so so good. So uh, if they're gonna do more in that in that sort of way, I'll be I'll be up for it. I just also think as well, it'd be really cool if like if Venom and the other symbiotes know the alien creatures, like they've they've come across them in their travels through space, kind of thing. And I love to see like, Venom versus like yeah, oh my god, because they're they're quite similar kind of like textures Body and, types. Yeah, yeah. The mouth, it's the um, mouth, I think. Yeah, and the, the it's the big mouth with the big tongue and the dribble and yeah. all this sort of shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm excited for that. Why is Danny that. Cates literally, like, the coolest man on earth? Can we just... Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, he's so cool, man. Like, he literally yeah. just, like, come through on that Twitter. He'll be like... He'll be, I, I saw him, like, retweeting the other day trying to find this... Um, unused uh, screen animatronic for Spider-Man 3 of Venom's face. Yeah, it was like, oh, and, can uh, I have this? <laughs> yeah, he was like, where can I buy this? Like, please let me buy this. I need it for my office. And I'm like, that's the kind of guy you want to go for a beer with. So a grown man yeah. that's going to buy a full animatronic Venom head for his office. Yes! <laughs> yes, Donnie! <laughs> I love how like he is with his fans as well. Like He's always talking to his fans on Twitter. I don't know yeah. if just... It's, it's just because it's locked down and he's got, like, having a break, so he's got more time to do that shit. But it seems like he really understands, like, how important this shit is to the fans. And, like, compared to yeah, everyone yeah, else yeah. at the, like, the production level of Marvel, like, he's he's really sort of, like, like down with the kids kind of thing. It seems like yeah. he's a lot closer to us. Like, it wouldn't be that difficult to go up to him and have a chat kind of thing than he would, like, no, talk yeah. to you. Well, what, what um, I also really like about him was the fact that he... He'll answer your questions. He'll answer. He'll yeah. genuinely like. If, if you tweet him and you're like, "This happened in Silver Surfer Black," and I'm not really sure why, can you can you expand? He'll fucking like tweet you back and tell you exactly why it's there. Like, there's a reason for everything yeah. that he does. There's a reason for everything that he draws, and I fucking love that. Also, did you yeah. see that we're getting a? Um, is it Null? Knull, I think. Knull, the venom, the venom god. Yeah, yeah, symbiote yeah. god. He's getting his own series yeah. of comics. Yeah, yeah. By Donny. It's Cates, funny because like... um, I I saw on Twitter. I got I I, I looked deep into it because uh, they released this little post that said Knoll is coming, uh, and apparently uh, all these Swedish people were like finding it hilarious because in Swedish Knoll means fuck, so it was like fuck is coming. <laughs> <laughs> fuck is coming. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they were just all like pissing themselves about that. But yeah, I mean, it's cool. It, it's, um, I mean, you haven't read Absolute Carnage, but it's definitely been building up to that. And it's kind of like, it's definitely at a point now where I'm like, okay, I want to know who this Canal guy is. I want to know what his personality is, like who, what is what he's about. Because um, in the ones that I've been reading, he's like a brooding presence. And it's like, oh, he's really, he's really bad. He's so scary and he's going to come and destroy everything. But I'm like, why is he scary? Why is he so evil? Like I'm, I want to know this shit now. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I've, I've also been looking into getting like a little um, uh, volume four of Donny Cates Venom because it's like it's kind of got like the comics um, just before Absolute Carnage and then just after Absolute Carnage. So, like, because mm. I've only read Absolute Carnage, so I want to know what happens kind of either side of it. And it's like eight quid, so I think I'm gonna splash out on that. Yeah, do it, man. Do um, it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've been talking for fucking ages now. This has been a long one. 
Let's give it a little round up. Let's give it a little round up. We've we got two more things. Firstly, the song of the week. It's got to be something from Singing in the Rain. Gotta dance. That one. Gotta yeah, dance. Right. Gotta dance. Yeah. So good. I love I, that. I would agree That's with going you. on my library. Um, and <laughs> so, so next week, uh, I actually thought of something that I would quite like to do. I know that you've got a lot of ideas written down. But considering yeah, no, no, that, go, go ahead. That, that, that we watched The Golden Age, what I want to do um, is I'd like to watch Rambo First Blood with you and then Rambo Last Blood okay. with you. So yeah. have you seen have you seen the Rambo films? I think you did show me the first one, but it was like it was like three years ago now, so Yeah, um, it was a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, it's 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 a D Sylvester Stallone film for me. Um but I've I've not seen the um, the last stand yet. And it's just come out on Apple T V right. so we can watch that together. Cool. Um first step no, sorry. So we're, we're gonna watch like all of them then. First blood. <laughs> well no, there's four. Um Right. But I don't think two. I don't uh, two and three. Uh, I mean, they're just they just kind of exist, you know, like that right. era in like the seventies and eighties where they just made like sequels for no reason. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. there's no story like arc for the sequels. They just do it because like they made money before and they're just going to make another one. So we got Rambo: First Blood and Rambo: Last Blood. There's actually five Rambo films. Fuck. So oh, right, okay. we're going we're gonna to talk about Rambo. The last one. Potentially, maybe the fourth one as well, because that's very good. All right, but anyway, yeah, right. well, I want I, I want to get I want to talk about that fucking range of Sylvester Stallone, how he hasn't changed, but it's changed so much. Like, <laughs> and I just you know you know I love Sylvester Stallone. You know I just love him. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I would like to do that. Also, I'm I'm excited to see the Last Blood because it um, it's quite a big thing for Sylvester Stallone to kind of. Because he's he's one actor that wants to work constantly. He doesn't really. He doesn't really. I mean, I've heard it's it's fucking dog shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. But he's one of those actors that doesn't ever want to stop acting and being active and being famous kind of thing because it's all he ever kind of knew, like in his story. But. It'll be interesting to see that first one and then that last one and just compare it. I guess it will be a comparison between Rambo First Blood and Rambo Last Blood. Let's do that. Yeah, all right. A Rambolino. A Rambolino. I like <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a Rambolino. All right, okay, well, we've been talking for fucking hours. Right, um... Yeah, thanks for coming back for another episode. Yeah, and we'll see you next week for the Rambolino. The Rambolino! Bye! Bye! Bye. Gotta dance!